Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jared Bailey from Laces Out. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. You don't got to pay anything to use Anchor. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of Laces Out. Kurt Homister, Jarrett Bailey. Kurt, good to be doing this with you. Absolutely, my friend. We are still stuck in quarantine, and it seems like this has been dragging on forever. But uh, we are staying healthy out here, staying indoors, doing our part over here. So I'm staying healthy. Jared, are you staying healthy, my friend? I'm doing the best I can, mate. So it's it's been uh, it's been a rough patch without having much to do. So trying my best just to keep the mind going, and glad to be doing this to give everybody just kind of an escape and talk some football. And with that, we do have a fun guest today. Saints linebacker Craig Robertson is joining us today. Craig, again, bro, thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving us some of your time. How you doing? I'm good, man. I just want to appreciate y'all, you know, for one, giving the people, um, you know, something to listen to, uh, giving them some sports. That's awesome. And just having me on is great. Absolutely. Thanks, we, we got we got one week until the draft is uh, coming. So we got something to look forward to. We finally got sports back for a few days there. So we are all very excited and uh, very hopeful that the NFL season will start on time here. Yeah, we got sports back on Friday. We got WNBA draft. They're doing that virtually too, aren't they? Yeah. So that would be exciting at least to, to see something going on there. Now, for you, Craig, in terms of how you're staying in shape, I mean, me and Kurt talked about this a little bit. How are you staying in shape right now? Because obviously with everything going on, it's hard to get, you know, do any sort of workouts. Do you have stuff at home that you've been doing? Do you have any sort of workout plan that you've been following? Is there, what have you been doing? Yeah. So um, I guess I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, I have a home gym at home. So I've been using that a lot. Really just doing a ton of cardio, really. Um, you know, a lot of body weight stuff. I do have weights at home, but I live closer to the season. Um, cause I don't, you know, I'm I'm older, so I don't need to be lifting every single day. You know, so I just do a lot of body weight stuff, just uh keeping my body into it and just keeping and staying moving. I mean, that's what it's all about. Everybody's got to kind of do whatever they can. I see everybody outside walking their dogs, walking on the street, just doing whatever they can to stay healthy out there. But, uh, I mean, it's got to be tough for you guys because, obviously, you've been in the league for a while. You know you know the old off-season grind here. But for new guys coming in, I mean, new guys for this draft, new undrafted free agents, anybody new to the NFL, it's got to be tough for them to adapt to all this because you can't get into the team facilities, you can't practice, you can't meet your new teammates. And just learning the whole playbook and everything. I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but you as kind of a veteran, what what kind of can you help out uh, with these new guys coming in after the draft, uh, after free agencies kind of, it seems like it's over now, but uh, what, what kind of advice can you help them out with? Are you going to be reaching out to them or kind of your stance uh, from, from a veteran standpoint here? 
the best advice that I can give is that it's, it's happened before, right? So when we had the lockout in 2011, guys got drafted and they didn't have any interaction with teammates. They didn't have any interaction with coaches because we were locked out. So this, all this that they're going through, it's, you know, happened before. Guys came back. They had two weeks of training camp, and then we started playing games. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. this this is something that, you know, it's different because it's in 2020, but it's happened before. So as long as guys are ready to learn on the fly, you know, which as hard as that may sound with the NFL playbook and trying to learn, you know, everything, right? Like you're – how you go about your day, how how you go about your nights, how you go about studying, right? You're going to just learn on the fly and you're going to trust the older guys that are ahead of you. The difference that they have now is they have a point where coaches can still be in contact with them. They can have meetings. So they'll still have a point where they can learn a playbook. It's just going to have to be um, learned different than normally. How's the communication been with you and head coach Sean Payton and the rest of your coaches throughout this entire process? Because we know that players and coaches are allowed to have um, a online offseason program right now. So how's the communication been with you and the coaching staff? So um, just the guys with new coaches, the teams with new coaches, they've started their offseason program. We don't start ours until uh, Monday. Okay. But, um, you know, the, the communication and, and lines have always been open. Um, we have a we, – we're, we're fortunate enough we're the team where we don't have um, a, a new scheme or new nothing. So, you know, guys are still learning, you know what I'm saying, but it's just trying to get 1% better as far as knowledge every day, as far as somebody else trying to learn a whole playbook, you know, virtually. So that will be something that's different. Yeah, I mean it's it's different for everybody out there, and uh, for you guys down in New Orleans, it, it might help you out because those uh, division rivals over in uh, in Carolina got a new head coach, Matt Rule, coming in. I kind of want to break down the NFC South here a little bit because this is going to be a fierce division. You got the legendary Tom Brady coming into Tampa Bay. You guys are going to be facing him twice a year. Uh, Falcons, they got they, now they got Todd Gurley in there. They're, they still got Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. Panthers got Matt Rule, Teddy Bridgewater, still got McCaffrey. So, I mean, this is a fierce division. It's you as a professional, you look at the division. Obviously, your goal, win the division, win the Super Bowl. But not that you get nervous. Do you get excited seeing this new talent coming in, kind of new challenge to face them? You're going up against Tom Brady. You're going up against Matt Ryan. All these guys, does it get you kind of amped up? Does it get you juiced to face these guys twice a year and have a fun division in the NFL? I mean, the only thing that really get me amped up is is playing Madden and telling people that you can't play with nobody from the NFC South. <laughs> um, but no, but just from a competitor standpoint, it's it's gonna be fun, you know. I mean, Tom Brady is you know one of the greatest quarterback. Him and Drew are like headbutting all these records, right? So that's gonna be fun just to have those two guys going head to head, and I mean, you know, just. Teddy being in Carolina, um, man, Joe Brady being in Carolina, you know, guys that were um, with the Saints program. And and then, I mean, you got Atlanta, you know, they've, they've always been um, a rival, right? And they're adding somebody like a great running back, like Todd Gurley. They had they had a great running back in Devontae Freeman. So, you know, they, they definitely had pieces 
already, you know, and they and they've been a tough team for a lot of years, you know, uh played in the Super Bowl. Carolina played in the Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? And you know, us being close, you know what I'm saying? We just have a tough division already. So, you know, winning our our non-conference games, our non-division games are going to be uh even more, you know, special to us and then we, when we win those division games, you know, each one is is two. So, we're just going to enjoy it like we never won a game before. And you mentioned that, you know, it's been how good you guys have been the past few years. And then when it comes to playoff time, I mean, the ways that you guys have been, you know, getting eliminated from the playoffs have just been insane, whether it be uh, the miracle in Minneapolis, whether it be the no call against the Rams. And then last year, you guys kind of get surprised against the Vikings. What do you guys need to do to kind of get over this little hump that you seem to be at right now to take that next step and get to another Super Bowl? Yeah, um, honestly, in my opinion, we just got to stay consistent. Um, for for one, it's it's not easy to get to the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Like getting to the playoffs is something that you don't do in just December and November. It's it's something that you do um, when you start OTAs, right? When you start having your your first mini camp, when two days start, that's when you start preparing for the playoffs because you're getting your mindset ready for this long haul. And so I played. I was, I was with the Browns for five seasons when we didn't go to any playoff games. Uh, we had one year that, that we were close in, in 14 where the whole division, I swear, was tied at seven and four or something. That's, like when, that. that's when Johnny Manziel was there for a few games, right? Yeah, and that's when we had – Brian Hoyer was our starting quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We lose to the Colts to go seven and five, and then we lose the rest of the games. They, they bench Hoyer and they put in Johnny and – the rest was history. The rest was history. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad that you brought up the playoffs because now you guys got – that's now a 17 playoff on, on either side. So now with only one bye week, does that make things kind of – I know a lot of people are talking about how it's kind of watering down the playoffs. To me, I think it makes it more competitive to try to get that extra bye week. Is that how you see it? I definitely see it like that. You know, I mean, you got guys that, you know, people who were the, the number one seed and number two seed – now you got, you know, they were essentially getting two bye weeks in a sense, depending on how how high their record was. They're resting a lot of the starters for that week and then the, the last week of the season and then getting another bye week. You know what I'm saying? Like it's going to be way more competitive to just have just that one um, seed getting a bye week and then to have a, a extra playoff team in. Like we look at somebody like Tennessee last year where – you know, they're surprising people, you know, and, and they're a team that slid in to the playoffs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when you get to the playoffs, like anybody can beat you, anybody can win. You know, it's a it's a one game elimination. So I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm sure you uh sure you hate to talk about it, but we gotta bring it up. I mean, the these heartbreaks that you you guys have had, the the Minnesota Miracle, the no call versus the Rams, how do you kind of get over like how do you move on from that because obviously you're you're probably you go home that night and that's all you can think about for the next two months but how do you again as a, as a veteran guy you 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 build up your young guys you build up your team and say hey let's go we got we got another whole season next year I mean it's just it, it's kind of wild that that the Saints have had that kind of luck because I mean Drew he just signed that contract but it seems like maybe after that two years is up he might be out of here so not that the window is closing here but how do you kind of 
going back to the two heartbreaks, how do you how do you get your guys going for the next season and, and give them that motivation, that extra the extra help they need? You know, um, for me, talking to all, all, a lot of the young guys, which are now um, older guys now, um, it was it was a it was an easy talk because for me that was a lot of their first and second time in the playoffs as well as mine too. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, you got to make them understand how special the playoffs are and how different the playoffs are and how you have to treat the playoffs, right? That was my first time going to the playoffs, and I think that was seven years in, right, where a, a lot of these guys were rookies. And then going into the next year, a lot of guys on defense, they were still young. Like, they're going on year two, some of them year three. Right. And, you know, we're in another playoff game. But that's the that's the difference. You know, like everyone doesn't get to have these experience. Like I look at Joe Thomas, one of the greatest tackles to play the game. And he never got a chance to play in a playoff game. Yeah. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's like when you look at the situation, it could be so much worse if you were sitting at home on the couch watching somebody go through this misery than you to live it. And then. You can bounce back, and how do you want your story written? Do you want your story to be like, well, we lost, and I'm going to blame everybody, and next year we're going to suck, and I'm going to blame the playoff game because nobody cares. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody cares what happened last year. They just care about the present. And so if you want to think about last year, then you can stay there, right? Everybody else is moving forward. If you want to move forward, then we're going to keep going. And speaking of moving forward, there was a lot of speculation about Drew Brees moving forward past football uh, going into this offseason. Uh, once he announced that he was coming back, um, I think it was confirmed by a few people that he had told some teammates that he was very highly considering stepping away. Did he ever speak, you know, did was there any obvious um, signs that maybe he was considering stepping away? Did he ever say anything to anybody about maybe this being his final year before deciding to come back this year? Uh, no, not to my knowledge. I mean, I know Drew... Drew looks at at every every single detail. That's 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 who he is, and that's what's made him great um, as a football player, great as a dad, great as a friend. You know what I'm saying? And and Drew keeps a lot of stuff personal, which something like this you you would keep personal, you know. But him, he would need to reflect, you know, going home, spending time with his family, if his family even wants him to do it. That's what it, it it really boils down. I feel like Drew can keep playing for another five years, but it's 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 what he decides is best for his family. And nobody else can know that answer but him and his family, really. So, you know, that's just my take on on that. I mean, I would I would love for Drew to play as long as he wanted, but you know, what's what's the point, you know, when you can have your family happy? They've they've watched him play for a long time, you know, and you know he can still play a few more years, have them happy. But but when it's time to hang it up, you know everybody's happy with where with where they're at right now. Well, I know I know last uh, last playoffs there, Jared and I were doing podcasts every week, and we were rooting for you guys. So we will uh, be rooting for you next year as well because I want to see Drew get one more, and I want to see you get one too. So. But before we let you go here, Craig, I got to bring in my Buffalo Bills. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan through and through here. 
And uh, we just got a new linebacker, your ex-teammate, A.J. Klein. Uh, my guy. He's, he's no longer <laughs> with you guys, so that opens up a spot for you. But uh, for my Bills fans, let us know what we're getting with A.J. Klein. Tell me about him. Tell me what he brings uh, and what we can look for for next season. Man, to be honest, like, I'm going to give you all the bias take because that's, that's <laughs> my guy, right? I grew with A.J. a lot with his time in New Orleans. Um, I watched him in Carolina. Um, you know, build his way up to where he is now. And what you're getting is, you know, he's earned everything that he's gotten. You know, he's earned everything. He was a special teams guy, played behind Luke, learned a lot. When he got to New Orleans, he brought that same stuff that he learned from Luke, you know, into our room, um, how much he watched tape, how much he was prepared, prepared for anything. You know, there's ebbs and flows of a season. Right. Starting, not starting, you know, like he kept his mind focused and he was ready to go out there and make plays whenever his name was called, you know, and then watching him, you know, now he, he battled through injuries. He did it all right. And never complaining, just, you know, just making it happen. So like what you're getting in Buffalo is just a dedicated hard worker. Right. He's a leader. He's a captain. He's a, he's a person who's going to be ready to make plays when his number is called and a person that's going to help you win games, you know, because he, he definitely helped us in a, in a lot of places. Well, my, my Bills fans will be very excited to hear that. So that's always good to hear. No Craig, what, are you, what are your personal goals for this year, you know, going into this is what I think it was what your eighth year. I, I might have counted wrong. This is what you're what you're in the league. This is my ninth coming up. Ninth year, okay. So what are your personal goals go, going into this season um, in terms of what you want to get done uh, from a personal basis? Personal basis, I'm only focused on one thing. I, I just want to win a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. to be honest. I mean, it, like, I have a ton of tackles. I have a ton of interceptions, fumbles, all that stuff. I got stats, but the only thing that really matters is Super Bowl ring. So that's that's my that's my only focus, being – the best captain I can be, and try and win Super Bowl. That's it. Craig Robertson, linebacker in New Orleans Saints. Hey, brother, we appreciate you coming on. Stay safe, stay quarantined, enjoy time with your family. Definitely would love to have you back on once season gets closer if you're if you're down for it. Awesome. Sounds good, mate. So, hey, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch. Thanks, Craig. All right, yeah. man. Okay. And that is Craig Robertson, linebacker of the New Orleans Saints. I'm glad he's. I'm very much rooting for the Saints this year. If my Steelers can't get a ring, I would love nothing more than to see Drew Brees get one and ride out into the sunset. And that that is all I want. I love Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees might honestly be one of my favorite NFL players outside of the Bills. He's just he's always been that the golden boy that that's kind of silent he's not he's not gonna be talked about a ton even though he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and I just I I think he deserves one more with the the career that he's had the teams that he has the player makers he has around him I I, besides my bills I think I'd be rooting for the Saints number two for sure (laughs) so and obviously good stuff from Craig hope for big thing from him this year as we hope for an NFL season this year with you know everything yeah. going on. So please, but we do have one week until the first pick is announced by the Cincinnati Bengals, and I cannot wait. I'm very excited to see Joe Burrow go to the Bengals, and then we'll have quite the the interesting situation that follows because we've both done 
mock drafts in the past week. And we can't stop talking about the draft because obviously we are T-minus a week away. So, and it's the only thing going on, so yes. Yeah, exactly. So we can kind of dive into this a little bit right now, buddy. I know that you were working on your mock previous to us recording. Um, so we can kind of break down a little bit of stuff going on right now. Maybe um, not necessarily pick by pick, but anything blockbuster that happens, maybe some notable stuff throughout our entire two-round mock. So I can let you take it from there. And, um, I mean, talk. so we can kind of break it down with the most important position here, that quarterback. Um we don't really know what's going on besides number one. Uh, number one is going to be Joe Burrow. I would bet my life on it. And after that, a lot of people are, it might just be smoke screens going on. A lot of GMs like to send out some fake rumors to mess with everybody. But I've seen some rumors saying that uh, Tua Tugavailoa might be dropping lower than five, which would be a little strange because Miami's got the fifth pick. The Chargers have the sixth. So mm-hmm. in my in my mock and a ton of people's mocks that I've seen, uh, I got Miami taking two at five and then Herbert following right along at number six there. So I don't know if I really buy it. I think Tua should go top five. Uh, somebody might trade up to number three there. But I, I, do you do do you believe any of these rumors that he's going to drop out of top five? Um, I mean, a lot of crazy things happen with the draft. Uh, I remember, I think it was 2018, where um, it was – all speculation that the Browns were going to go Josh Allen with the first pick. And then the day before it's Baker Mayfield that everybody's confirmed. Yes. The Baker Mayfield is going to be a Brown and lo and behold, it happens. So I think that we have a lot of beliefs up until, you know, a few days before and a lot can change. I'm not saying that, you know, Joe Burrow is not going to go one because I would be incredibly shocked if he didn't. Um, And now in terms of Tua, I think the biggest thing is obviously the hip. And the fact that he's gotten injured a lot since coming to Alabama. So I have him going three. I have the Raiders trading up and taking him at three. Um, yeah, I've had the sneaky, sneaky Raiders in there and John Gruden. I've had up. this theory oh, oh. in my head for the past month. And I talked about it with Chris Trapasso of CBS. Um, and he said that it makes sense. So, you know, I'm going to verify my beliefs with that. But um, <laughs> no, I think it does make sense. I think that. Um, what they can do, they can do very similar to what the, the Chiefs do with Patrick Mahomes. They can draft him, they can redshirt him a year, have him learn behind Derek Carr, um, and then they can move Derek Carr going into next season and then have Marcus Mariota as a backup that they signed on a two-year deal. And they'll be, I think that's how they'll go. Um, so I think that there is a sleeper team out there that is very, very much quietly abiding their way to get into the top five to take Tua. And it would not surprise me at all if it was John Gruden, the quarterback guru that he is with the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, because here's my thing on Tua is, we, I mean, we've talked about it endless times with this draft coming up, but I think if Tua never had the injury history, if he was as healthy as Joe Burrow was right now, we would be talking about Tua going number one overall. Um, I think Tua has the skill set and the talent to be – one of the best quarterbacks in this league, if he can stay healthy. But that is a huge if. With the amount of injuries that this guy has had in his college career, I you understand why GMs are terrified to, to take yeah. him in the top five. Because if you take a quarterback or any player in the top five, you're putting a lot of trust in this guy because you passed up on hundreds of other players that you could have taken. But if Tua is healthy, he is leading this team, whatever team is he is on, to a very good season because he has so much talent. You just need to get some protection around him. You need to make that offensive line the best dang offensive line that you can because you do not want him taking any crazy hits because 
He's got a bad injury history, and I would be terrified to take him. If my Bills were considering this, if they needed a quarterback, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to shy away from it because I don't want to risk it. And I get that. And then I'll play devil's advocate and look at it from the other side. There are plenty of quarterbacks in the NFL right now who've gotten hurt a lot. Um, my quarterback in Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger, seems to get hurt and miss at least two games a year. But there is no way in hell that I would ever trade the two Super Bowls that he's brought me in the past decade and a half. So I think that when we look at injury-prone quarterbacks, I think Ben's right at the top in terms of you know the past 17 years in which that he has gotten injured. He's missed uh, obviously all of last season. He's missed four games. He's missed six games. He's missed you know the occasional one game and then another game. So I think that. From my perspective, in terms of injury-prone quarterbacks, I've had one, but he's also been one of the top five quarterbacks in the league for a very long time. He's a future Hall of Famer, and he's won two Super Bowls. So I think that if you want to look at it from that angle as well, it is – and I get what Tua is saying when he says, you know, I'm not playing badminton, I'm playing football, I'm going to get hurt. So I I get where he's coming from. I hope, obviously, that, you know, the injuries are – you know, have peaked in terms of the, their severity for him. And I hope that he has a great career as of right now. I think that, you know, he's going to be, I think both of them are going to be great pros. I think Burrow's going to be good. I think two is going to be good. Um, and I, I think that this injury stuff, I mean, if we're thinking optimistically, it'll pass over and I think it'll be all right. And I mean, he, like you were talking about with quarterbacks out of injuries, look at Drew Brees. Drew Brees was the starting quarterback for the, uh, the San Diego chargers back then. He, what, dislocated his shoulder and had a labor tear or something. People thought his career was over, thought he would never play again. And now he's, what, I don't know how many years removed he is from that. That that was like 2006 or something. 15 years ago, yeah. I was going into the 05, 06 season. So 15 years later, and he's still lighting up the league, and we're talking about him winning a Super Bowl. So, I mean, you never know. You you really never know. Chase Young, uh, I hope that nothing happens to him. I, I mean, prayers for anybody that gets hurt, but he could come in and get hurt right away and never play again. So mm-hmm. you just never know playing football. Um, but with the injury history that Tua has had, I'd be nervous, but he has such high potential that I don't think Miami should pass up on him if he's sitting at the board while they're sitting at number five. We will see because I, I, I think someone's trading into the top five. Um, at the very least, the top 10, um, I think I saw a stat. It was, um, every year in the past five years or something, there's been a trade up into the top 10 to take a quarterback or into the top 15. Um, we saw, um, the chiefs obviously trade up to get Mahomes. Uh, we saw the bears trade up to get Trubisky, which is now going to be a meme forever if they don't turn the ship around there. Um, right. yeah, I think that, you know, in terms of mock drafts, it's hard to, you know, project trades, obviously, but there's going to be some that happen in the top 10 at the very least. And I believe the top five, and I think the Raiders will be able to snag Tua at three. Let's move on to, um, just keep going down the list at 13. And we don't necessarily have to, you know, go pick by pick. Like I said, we can just talk about individual ones that we thought, um, at 13, we talked about this a few episodes ago, and when we got into it, I just talked myself into the fact that it's happening. Um, the 49ers sit at 13 after they acquired that pick from the Colts for DeForest Buckner. And they now have two first-round picks, but no picks in rounds two, three, or four. And the New England Patriots, look, I don't know about you, Jared Stidham seems like a cool guy, and he's got a great name, but... I don't think that that's their plan going forward. I think that Bill Belichick's smarter than that. And it's exactly what I wrote in my mock draft for primetime saying that Bill Belichick did Kyle Shanahan a solid 
by trading him Jimmy Garoppolo for next to nothing, just a second round pick. And I think he's going to call him up and say, look, I get, I did you a favor. It's time that you do me a favor. I'll give you the 23rd pick. So you'll still have a first round pick and I'll give you a third round pick um, to help you get some mid round draft capital as well. And then maybe a later six round pick since you don't have a lot of draft picks. If you let me have 13 so I can take Jordan Love. And I think Jordan Love's going to end up being a Patriot. And as much as that horrifies me, because I think Jordan Love's going to be extremely good. I think he's going to be, he's, he's a dark horse in this draft class because all we do is talk about Joe Burrow and Tua. But Jordan Love, watch his sophomore year tape, because I did that on YouTube the other day because I got bored. His sophomore year, I, going into this year, he lost five receiving targets. He lost a lot of offensive linemen, still put up 61% completions. He did throw 17 interceptions, but a lot of those were off deflections and off receivers' hands. Didn't have a lot of the same offensive linemen that he did his sophomore year. I think Jordan Love is going to be fantastic, and I think that the Patriots are going to take him, and we're going to have another few years of Belichick with a great quarterback. And All right. Yeah, it's going to be something. I know that's that's not music to your ears, but I think it's going to happen. That is enough out of you, but I mean, I really- <laughs> I, I, I like the idea of the Patriots trading up and I can see it happening, but I don't think it will. Um, I think that I'm not as high on Jordan Love as you are. I, I think that he could be a good quarterback, but I do not think that he's worth a first round oh, pick. I think he's going to be fantastic. I think that he very well could go in the first round because there's a lot of quarterback desperate teams. But I don't think that's the Patriots way. I think they're I don't think that they're going to reach unless they absolutely are in love with him because where they're sitting at 23, they could get a superstar player to build up that defense even more. And who knows? I mean, maybe they will be in the running for Trevor Lawrence next, uh, next draft. Maybe that's the big plan for Bill Belichick all along here, but I don't think that they're going to reach for a quarterback just yet. Um, I, I, I have Jordan Love going to my second round. I'll give you a little preview. I, I have him going the 34th pick. So, basically a first round pick but i have him going to the colts uh at 34 which i think would be a great fit for them but i just don't see the patriots taking a a risk like that when they can have a for sure dominant player on defense like xavier mckinney or uh a linebacker of their choice which they really do need a linebacker so um we shall see of course a lot of speculation here but we can move on to another position the position of this draft the wide receiver uh, wide receiver is the glory position in this draft that is historically possibly one of the best drafts for wide receivers. And I want to get your take to see how many wide receivers you have going in the first round. Because let me, let me do a quick count and I can let you know. So all right. I mean, because I, I, I have I have six right now. I changed it last second. I have six going yeah, in the first round. I, I, might be a stretch. I think that's a lot. But there's there's teams out there that you're going to pass up on a player like this that could have such high potential because wide receiver seems to be every every time you pick your your added draft pick you say we could take the best player available right now mm-hmm. and a lot of the time that's wide receiver in this draft because there are just so many good wide receivers so I say five or six I think that's the money line there I think that I mean I get what you're saying and it makes sense but at the same time I think that importance of position comes into play with that as well because if you are a team like let's say the Packers who desperately need a receiver I think they're going to grab one um, with the 30th pick but if you're maybe a team who's on the cusp of needing one I'm trying to look through to see um, that's a good one Minnesota let's say Minnesota that is a good one they've got two first round picks I think that with both of them 
Um, each of theirs, let me see what I, I don't have them taking a receiver in the first round. I, because I think they've got bigger needs on the defensive line that they, they need pass rushers. They need a cornerback desperately right now. Zimmer Rhodes isn't there anymore. Those are more important positions to me than a guy who's going to touch the ball, maybe five to eight times a game. Right. Right. So I think that if they'll view it as there's going to be incredible depth throughout this entire draft at receiver. There's still going to be great options left when we pick in the second round. We'll take one then. But until then, let's get a good pass rusher and let's get somebody who can cover a receiver to, to limit the passing game. So I think that it makes well, – I get where you're coming from in terms of best player available, but I also think that at times it makes more sense to draft for importance of position rather than just best player available. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that – I think some teams might fall into the mistake of just getting greedy because they see – uh, you're you're in a mid twenties pick, and you see uh, uh, a Brandon Ayuk, or you see uh, a Justin Jefferson sitting there, and you're just you're salivating, thinking about him throwing or him catching balls from I don't know Russell Wilson. Not that the not that the Seahawks are taking a wide receiver, but you get what I mean. I mean, it's just it's it's the sexy position. Is you got a star wide receiver on your team, but. I mean, you and I have talked about it before, and we were just talking about it uh, before we started this podcast. The star wide receiver position, uh, you think it's a little overrated in this league, and I, I kind of want to get your your official take on that. No, so I mean, and we'll get more into this whenever we talk about the Odell trade rumors, but I think that, you know, you look at the history of receiver. I mean, Antonio Brown, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, um, Chad Ochocinco, all great receivers, but they all have one thing in common. They were ginormous divas, and they have a combined zero Super Bowls between all of them. So I think that in terms of the importance of having a superstar receiver, I think that you, we've seen in past the past few years even, you don't necessarily need it. Uh, now, obviously, the Patriots are in a whole different atmosphere in terms of planning and team building. Well, than they, they they're, they're quarterback. They, they have Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. he, so, he can make you look like a star wide receiver. Yeah. But even if we look at um, Seattle, they didn't necessarily have a star wide receiver whenever they won the Super Bowl. They had a good quarterback they had a, and a great defense and a solid run game. So I think that those things have seemed to be more important in terms of winning Super Bowls or getting to a Super Bowl than having a superstar wide receiver. Um, it, it just doesn't seem to be at the level of importance as a good offensive line, a good quarterback, and a good defense. So I think that those are the three biggest things in terms of not, not, not to say that you know good receivers aren't important because obviously they are, but in terms of where they fall on the totem pole, I think they fall below them. Now, in terms of how many I got going in the first round, if we want to get back to to the draft there stuff, go, yeah. So uh, we can kind of go even uh, who we have going in the first round and where. So I got Jerry Judy going 11th to the Jets, and then I've got Ceedee Lamb going to the Buccaneers at 15, and then Henry Ruggs going to the Eagles at 21. And then we keep going down a little bit further at 30. I've got Justin Jefferson going to the Packers. So I think that was four that I got. Go- oh, no. And then I got Denzel Mims going 31. So five. I got five. Okay. Well, okay. I, mean, I got a question for you then because you just said that, <laughs> that, that a team. Yeah, I was being very hypocritical there, wasn't I? Yeah. Teams <laughs> with wide receivers don't need to reach for a wide receiver. But you have Tampa Bay who have two of the best wide receivers in the league. And Mike no, Evans. No, 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 no. San Francisco taking. I don't have Tampa. I got Tampa Bay taking. Um, did I say Tampa Bay? You said Tampa Bay. Who did I have I them will, taking? Did I say CD Lamb, Tampa Bay? Yeah, I will rewind. I'm, the at, tape. I'm at Denver, Tampa Bay, not Tampa Bay. Okay. Denver, Denver for CD Lamb. 
All right, fair so enough. Let me correct myself there. Yeah, I didn't mean to seem hypocritical. All right, well, how about this? I just thought of this right now. Okay. What if we see three ride receivers go right in a row? I know you said that the Patriots are going to trade up to 13, but what if we I see... I know where you're going with this, but Jets, yes, going. I like it. Jets go Judy, Raiders go CeeDee Lamb, 49ers go Henry Ruggs. That would be pretty wild to see three of the top wide receivers go right in a row. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all because all three of them have wide receiver needs. Exactly. Um, and that's assuming that, you know, all of them are still there at their designated picks right now. I could definitely see it. Um, I don't know. I'm still torn what the Jets are going to do at that spot because they need offensive line help. And Joe Douglas, uh, former exec with the Eagles, knows how important that offensive line is because when they won the Super Bowl, Joe Douglas was in that front office and they had a great offensive line. So I think he and knows. That, the- that's exactly my thinking because – we, at least, I mean, I think Adam Gase is a bad coach. I think he's a little on the slight side of a moron, but it's okay. I like that he's in our division because the Bills can beat him. But I think the smart pick for them, offensive line, because top 10, well, there are 11, but top 15, you can get an all-pro lineman because these linemen in this draft are legit. But that's the smart pick for them. I don't think that they're going to do that because they do have a glaring need at wide receiver. They just lost Robbie Anderson to Carolina. Sam Darnold's not – he's throwing to Brashad Perriman and uh, who else? Jamison Crowder. Ooh. Is he on the still, I think? Um, I've got to try out in the next month to see if Sam Darnold wants to throw passes to me. So I think I think the fun pick for them, I think what they would love to do is bring in that star wide receiver for Sam Darnold. But if they do, Darnold's just going to get mauled back there because that offensive line is pretty weak. Well, I think that they can do both in opposite orders if they wanted to go offensive line with the 11th pick then great they can get a receiver in the second if they want to go receiver first they can get an offensive lineman in the second and that's what i have them doing in terms of the draft because i i also have judy going to the jets and then let me pull up my draft again because i was stupid and closed it um i have them going offensive lineman in the second round as i zoom to it and fill airtime because we don't like dead air on podcasts as I scroll through, but yeah, I mean, I like what, I I think that it's definitely possible that we see those three go in succession to each other. If um, 11, 12 and 13 stay the teams that they are right now. Um, As I find the jets in the second round, I have them taking Lucas nine from TCU offensive tackle. So I think that either way they would get a good player um, in their first two picks. And I don't think it's debatable that they're going to go wide receiver, offensive lineman. I, I think it just depends on what order they're going to do it in. I, I think they would have a better chance if they go offensive line and then wide receiver because, like we said, this wide receiver draft is incredibly deep. Incredibly deep. You can go – you can find I, – I promise you in two years we will look back. Three years we'll look back, and there is going to be a steal and a fifth-round pick. A fifth-round oh, yeah. pick – is going to come out and be a, a star in this league because this wide receiver draft is in, incredibly deep. So I think the Jets would be better off taking an offensive lineman, help out Sam Darnold for the love of God. This guy needs <laughs> some help there and get a wide receiver in the second round because you can find a very good wide receiver in that second round as well. And that steal in the fifth round name will be Antonio Gandy Golden of Liberty, which hey, I'm doing, we, uh, we agree on something there because I was a big I'm a big fan of him coming out. So uh, keep yeah, that name so- back here. I was doing, what was I doing? I was doing an article. It was for Fansite. I was doing a Jaguars mock draft. And um, I had him going originally in the seventh round. I think he's going to climb up from there. 
Um, but dude, he he's tall. He is fast. He's got great hands. He's strong. I th- he's going to slip because he goes to Liberty. It's a smaller school. And obviously how deep this draft class is. But Antonio Gandy-Golden, I think, is going to be a legit wide receiver, two on a team and maybe eventually a wide receiver. I think he's going to be incredible. Yeah, I, I, I like him coming out, too. Uh, I'll give you another name that kind of, I don't want to say made a name for himself, but kind of put himself really higher up on the board is Chase Claypool. Uh, keep yes. that name in your head as well from Notre Dame. He's big. He's very big. He, I think he's 6'4", 235. He's right on the verge of being a tight end, I guess. But this guy runs a sub 4'4", 40-yard uh, dash. He did that at the Combine. And you probably know the answer, but the one other player has ever done that at the draft that's bigger than 6'4", and uh, weighs more than 230 pounds. Do you know the answer? Would it be Megatron? It would be Megatron. Calvin Johnson is the only other wide receiver to do that in the draft. So, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to be Calvin Johnson. I'm not saying Thanks that at all. But from elite company. Uh, that That is who I am uh, shooting the Bills to take in the third round is Chase Claypool to add some more offensive depth on that team, which we so desperately need. I, I definitely like that. And Devin DuVernay from Texas is another guy who I really like. I think there's going to be so many receivers in this class that are going to be very, very good. Um, what else do we want to talk? I mean, the we can talk Dolphins. They've got three first-round picks. They Story of this draft for sure. Yeah. So with their three first-round picks, I have them taking at five. I think they stay put at five. I think they take Justin Herbert. I've said that they're going to take Herbert from day one. I don't think two is going to be a Dolphin. Um, so I think that they're going to be very, I think a lot of this is them hiding the fact that they love Herbert so much. So other teams don't worry in terms of wanting to take him. And I think they're going to surprise a lot of people and take him at five. And then we go up to 18. I think they are going to take Andrew Thomas of Georgia. Um, you know, they're going to draft Justin Herbert. And they need somebody to protect him. Their offensive line is very bad. They brought in Eric Flowers, who had a much improved year last year with Washington. He's going to be guard. I think they need somebody to put next to him at left tackle to protect Justin Herbert going forward. So we'll get Andrew Thomas from Georgia. And then at 26, I have them taking running back DeAndre Swift from Georgia. So back-to-back Bulldogs going to the Dolphins in the first round. Uh, I think DeAndre Swift is the best running back in this class. I like him better than Jonathan Taylor, um, mostly because of the history of Wisconsin running backs. I'm very, very hesitant on Jonathan Taylor. So um, we'll see with that. Um, but I think that DeAndre Swift is the best running back in this class. And if they, if the Dolphins are able to get – um, their left tackle for the next decade, their quarterback for the next decade and a half, and then their running back for the next five to seven years, that's a home run of a first round. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think if if we are if if Miami hits on at least five or six of their picks this year that can be legit starters and a few stars sprinkled in there, we'll look back on this draft and say that was the turning point for the Miami Dolphins. But that's a that's a tall task. So uh but I have like I said, I have Tua going to Miami at five. Uh, I think they, I think they love him a lot. He even said that he wants to go to Miami. He would love to play there, but I think he was just saying that because, of course, he's going to love wherever he goes. But uh, at eighteen, I have them taking Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle, who's arguably one of the top defensive tackles, probably second best behind Derek Brown uh, from South Carolina. I have him going at eighteen. Uh, build up those trenches. That's the most important part. And then at twenty-six. I have Miami taking Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. Uh, he's probably the best center in this draft. So build up that offensive line. I think they go offensive line heavy. Uh, I think they take another one in the second round. So 
if you're bringing in Tua, like I said, you better build build him a brick wall because that guy needs to stay healthy there. Um, but I, I interestingly enough, I don't have a, a running back going in the first round yet. Mm-hmm. My my mock draft is not done yet, so don't don't laugh at me. But um, I do think I agree with you. I think DeAndre Swift is a great running back, and I think he's going to be great. Um, and I, he's probably the, the only one that I would have go in the first round. I don't think we see a team reach for another running back just with the depth that we have at other positions here. So I, I think second round is where we see all the running backs start coming off the board. And speaking of second round running backs, I still have my Steelers taking J.K. Dobbins at 49, which would make me the happiest human being on planet Earth. So do the right thing, Kevin Colbert. I think you're going to be a little upset when that does not happen on draft night. I'm sorry, my friend. No, I, you know, every mock draft that I've done, I've, he's been there at 49. So I'm hoping that he is there. I'm going to be 10 times more upset if he's there and they don't take him than if somebody takes them before, you know, they're able to pick because. I've held out hope that J.K. Dobbins is going to be a Steeler for the last two months. And That's all you've been talking about. That's all I've been hearing. <laughs> you, I, you, I, I, Twitter, you know how much I want J.K. Dobbins to be there. Uh-huh. So I, I think they love Connor, though. I, I think that you know him being a, a Pennsylvania guy, went to Pitt, now he's a Pittsburgh Steeler. I think they love him. I know you don't love him, but you're not in the front office. So um, I think I think they stick with James Conner, and they probably will – They'll draft a running back in the third, fourth round maybe. But, I mean, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Deontay Johnson. They're good, but do we see Pittsburgh maybe take a wide receiver in the second round? Get get your bias out of the way. I know you want J.K. Dobbins, but would you be happy with them going wide receiver in the second round there? It depends on the receiver. There's a bunch of guys right. that I like. Um, if they were to go with maybe a guy like Michael Pittman, I like Michael Pittman a lot. Yeah. Um, if Jalen Rieger's available, I like Jalen Rieger a lot. So I wouldn't be necessarily disappointed if they got a receiver. But that said, if they do go receiver, I don't see them keeping all four of those guys. I think either Washington or Juju will be moved. There's already speculation that they're going to let Juju walk next season, which you know how I feel about Juju. That wouldn't upset me at all. Um, I'm very content with having Deontay Johnson take up a bigger role. And or if they if they draft Pittman, he's a legit outside guy. So if that's what they do, they replace Juju with another USC guy. They put Pittman on the outside, Deontay Johnson in the slot, James Washington on the other side. I would be totally okay with that. Um, and maybe just take another receiver to add some depth later in the draft as well. So I, if they got a solid receiver, I think Michael Pittman would be my favorite out of all of them that would be available. Uh, I'm a Penn State guy, and I love K.J. Hamler. He's more of a slot guy than an outside threat, and they don't really need another slot guy right now because they already have Deontay Johnson, who's very good from there. So I, I think that Michael Pittman would be my favorite in terms of options that would be there when they pick well, a few. I, I think that uh, Pittsburgh does need to add a couple more a couple more offensive threats there for Big Ben coming back. Uh, we, str- we saw him struggle a little bit last year, and I think Juju would really benefit from having another – if you bring in another wide receiver that could turn into a star, because I do like Juju, but I don't think that he's going to be a number one guy that's going to take on the number one cornerback and win games for you. Because I mean, we saw him flourish and play great when AB was there, but that's because he was being covered by the number two corner. So um, we shall see what, what all unfolds one week from tonight um, at the NFL draft in Roger Goodell's basement. 
I can't wait to see that too. I feel, <laughs> were you the one that tweeted? I feel like we should all in unison tweet boo. Yes, I did. Anybody that's listening, killed me. Roger Goodell walks out or doesn't walk out, but before he announces the pick, just tweet out a boo. I don't care how many zero or how many O's, just tweet out a boo. I'm got to keep the tradition going. Yeah, I will very much keep that tradition alive, and I'm extremely excited for right. the draft next weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, well. Well, depending on what happens in the next few days in terms of this surprise guest that we'll have coming on. We we'll... have a very surprising guest possibly joining the show, so uh, keep your Our ears biggest and eyes ever. I think that's fair to say. Our biggest guest ever in terms yes, of who coming absolutely. on. So that was a little teaser for everybody. So if we do get that set up, um, we can do another show before the draft. And even if it does get set up and we can't do it before the draft, we'll have another show next week in the midst of the draft on Friday, hopefully. So we'll get that all set up and we'll tweet out some some teasers for it once all the fine details are put together. But till then, good show, my guy. Craig Robertson, again, thank you to him for coming on. That was a lot of fun getting some insight from him and the Saints organization going forward. Yes, sir. I am uh, very excited for this draft and I am just praying that uh, football season starts on time. So everybody out there, please stay healthy. Please stay indoors. Wear your mask if you're going out. Um, but until then, if you want to follow along with me on Twitter to keep you company and have some fun uh, during this quarantine, find me on Twitter at Kurt, K-U-R-T, Hamaser, H-A-U-M-E-S-S-E-R, 88. Bill stuff, football stuff, life advice, whatever you need coming from me. What do you got, buddy? You can follow me on Twitter, Jarrett, J-A-R-R-E-T-T, underscore Bailey, four. Twitter was mean to me today. So if I can't follow you back right away, don't fret. I will do it soon. Um, so hit me up on Twitter. Um, I'll be doing some stuff for Fansided within the next day, uh, releasing an article about what the Jaguars are going to do in the first round, if they could be um, in the talks for moving up to take a quarterback in the first round. So stay tuned for that. A lot of stuff coming from me. A lot of stuff coming from us collectively um, in the next week and beyond so kurt always love doing this with you buddy and we're going to keep this train rolling through quarantine and giving everybody their football fix we will catch you next time thank you for uh tuning in and we got a lot of good stuff coming so stay healthy out there everybody stay inside stay indoors again thank you so much for choosing us as your outlet for football content this is laces laces out for kurt homister i'm Jarrett bailey and we will all talk to you very soon on laces out for primetime sports network Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.